are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Revelation 3, it's a church at Philadelphia. There are seven churches here in chapter 2 and chapter 3. And the Bible says in verse, chapter 3, verse 7, and to the angel, that angel is just simply a messenger, he's the pastor of the church, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go out no more, more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I've always loved church. I've loved church my entire life. I grew up in church. I grew up in Sunday school. I'm a twin, and uh, we were born in Milwaukee, and my pastor, I never met him. He's been home with the Lord for years. He held my, my sister and myself in his two arms, and he uh, prayed that God would use us in his ministry. My parents would have wisdom in raising us. There were three in our family. My older sister, Judy, just passed away in November. My twin sister, Jill, is a preacher's wife. He's preaching today in Tennessee, and uh, I'm, I'm a preacher as well. Uh, I'm so thankful for that first pastor, though I never knew him in Milwaukee. I thank God for the fact that he had a desire for my parents to raise us for God. I've always loved church. I've always loved it. I, I, I can't think back of a time I did not want to go to church. Now, maybe it doesn't work that way for everybody, but it just worked that way for me. I do recall growing up over here in Centerville, California, which is now Fremont. It's about 15 minutes from here, and there was a school building. I have that picture of that school building, boys, right back here. That's an old building built in 1841. That was an old schoolhouse for our little city, and they've torn it down. And um, that, that school was where we went to church. My first recollection was not in Wisconsin, but right here. 1955, I was sitting next to my dad in church, and he looked at me, he said, son, be quiet. I can remember that. 
And uh, I knew more than my dad, after all, good night, I, I knew more than him. And I, and I just kept goofing off. And he said, son, we're gonna go outside. And uh, I grew up with one of those dads that was a sweet, kind, very patient. But when they spanked, they spanked with a belt. Now, I know you'd be arrested and abused and all that business, but uh, it's an amazing thing. I loved that man to the day he died uh, just a few years ago in March. I love my dad so much. I love him to this day. My dad just believed in spanking, not at, over everything. But boy, I tell you what, when you got spanked, you knew it. And my dad said, son, we're going out. I can recall standing up, walking out that wooden floor, down the wooden steps. We went around back. There's a mortuary there now. Brother Dennis Moore works there. I can remember going by a sycamore tree. To my knowledge, that tree is still there. I had a funeral, funeral there a few years ago. And I said, I remember this tree. And I asked the man, was there a church building? He goes, there was many years ago. He showed me this picture. I want you to know this. I remember my dad spanking me that day. Glory to God, I still love church. I remember we walked back in and I was embarrassed. I remember the next year, 1956, that church had closed and um, it's no longer. And our pastor was starting a new church. I went by our pastor's house right there on Scamman Court just recently. There's a picture of it on our court. Most of the people on the court, not all, but probably about half the people in our court, Scammon Court, went to our church. And our church had Sunday school in these garages. Down the street, there was a barn, and our church met in the barn. And in 56 and 7, they built a building where in that building I got saved. This was my pastor's home. This is where in kindergarten I heard Mrs. Daniels tell us the Bible stories. I can remember singing David, the song about David and Goliath and picking up those five smooth stones. I can remember singing children's songs in that garage right there on Scammon Court. They'd lift the garage door and all the kids would go, primary department here, junior department here, preschool department here. In that garage, God began to work on my heart. And just a few months later in that building with no electricity where we had built I remember walking forward on a Sunday night, 1956, in a church, asking Christ to save me. I tell you what, I love the church. Everything of any good, hey parents, listen, everything of any good in my life came by way of the church. I got saved in church. I got baptized, where church did not have a baptistry inside, I got baptized outside I got baptized at church. I can recall I grew up in church. I recall getting right my sophomore year in high school with God so thoroughly right at church and God had my heart those closing years of my high school career. I remember going off to college from church. I remember it so very carefully as God began to work on my heart being called of God to be in full-time service at church. I recall going to a church and working in Rockford, Illinois, and I recall the pastor saying, Jack, Jack, I want you to be our janitor. And he let me lead the music and eventually the bus director. And I tell you what, there was a beautiful blonde-headed girl on the piano, playing piano. And 40 Eight years ago, last December, she became my wife. We met at church. We did not meet at a tavern. We did not meet trading drugs. We met at church. 
and we've been serving God. I can recall when God brought us here to this church. I recall getting ordained at church. I recall holding all three of our babies and dedicating their lives to God at church. And all three are now in Christian service. I've spent my life, and here I'm at this point in my life looking back on going to church. Doesn't make me any better than you, but it does tell you this. I found everything I ever needed at church. I love church. Kids, you may not always like it, and I'm certain looking back, there had to be some days where I didn't like church, but I can't remember any. I love going to church. I love sitting right next to my dad and playing with that thumb that had been cut off on the farm on, out using a tractor, so, so, something like this. And I'd play with that little stub of a thumb thinking, I wish I had a thumb like that. That's a cool thumb. And uh, I, just, I know weird for a kid. I love church. I can't remember really a lot of messages from church. I cannot remember Sunday school lessons from church. I can't remember really what any revival preacher preached at church. In fact, I can't remember any messages. But God must have done something because I love church. Today I want to speak to you on the subject, I love my church. I love my church. I have, I have no desire to be sitting inside of a football stadium today on a Sunday. I have no desire to go water skiing on Sunday. I have no desire to go snow skiing on Sunday. I have no desire to go camping on Sunday. I have no desire to go RVing on Sunday. I have no desire to go traveling on Sunday. I love my church. Jesus gave his life for the church. Thank God for the church. Today I want to address the subject of I love my church. And it's an amazing thing that we find the church at Philadelphia. The word Philadelphia comes from the Greek word phileo. And phileo simply means love. Phileo is a brotherly love. And that's why we have the city called Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It's the city of brotherly love. This church was in that city of brotherly love. It was a strategic location. Philadelphia was what they called the gateway to all the east. Merchants would travel through there. It was a very, very successful area. The cities around there, like um, the city of Sardis, was right nearby. Many years ago, when this Bible was being written, there was an earthquake that took place because it's built on a fault line. And the earthquake destroyed this city. They never really were able to rebuild. To this day it's there, but it's known as the burnt place because it burned just like Sodom and Gomorrah. You can go there today and see it's all blackened ash because God burned it with blackened ash and God commanded that it be burned up. And here Philadelphia never recovered. Sardis never recovered. But this city still had a gospel witness. Though at one time a very affluent city, now they're a burnt area. You know, I don't know what God's going to do with your city that you're watching or your state you're watching or your country that you're watching or what God's doing right now or what God's going to do with the Silicon Valley. But I do know this, that whatever happens, there ought to be a gospel witness for Jesus Christ in every city, in every state, in every country or throughout the entire world. The church at Philadelphia stayed open. I want you to see 
some characteristics of this church that we say, I love my church, the church of brotherly love. I want you to see, if you will with me, the founder of that church. And the founder is none other than Jesus Christ. Jesus is the founder of all Bible-believing, preaching churches. Upon this rock, Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. Jesus said that. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The founder, I want you to see who this founder is. And under the age of the church, verse 7 of Philadelphia, write, These things saith he that is, here's our founder, he's holy. He's holy. We serve a holy God. We don't see, serve a mean God. Have you ever seen these gods? A lot of times they're mean looking, pot belly, and they have evil looking eyes, and they look over you, and they're, oh, not our God. Our God is a loving God. For God so loved the world. Our God is a holy God. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Our God's not an evil God. He's a holy God. And I want to say, I thank God that I serve a holy God. Holy means pure, it means clean. Our God is a clean God, a righteous God, a, 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 a God who is completely clean and pure. Notice what he says, he's holy. Secondly, this founder is true. May every church, may this church, if we love our church, may we keep it holy. And may may keep it true, a true church. The Bible says John, 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. One of the great problems in America today is that it seems like in government that people don't tell the truth. They'll look right at you and lie. But may I remind you that government is a reflection of the church because the church has stopped and ceased telling the truth. What's the truth? There's only one way to heaven. It's not the Baptist way, it's God's way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Truth is found in Jesus, the living word, and he left us the written word, the word of God. Is it any wonder that mankind tries to attack the word, tries to take words out of the Bible. I was talking to one of our godly deacons this past week and his precious wife mentioned the fact how that in the versions of the Bible, so many have taken the word blood over 700 times in one Bible alone, taken the word blood and removed the blood. I tell you, it's a dangerous thing to start tampering with this Bible. Take words out, put, take verses out, change words. I think of one Bible that someone gave me many years ago, and it says, a girl shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Oh, but there is not a girl that conceived, a virgin conceived, and it's a world of difference between a girl and a virgin. Don't tamper with the book. The book is truth. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set the feet free. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Our founder is holy. Our founder is true. Look at the third aspect of this founder. The Bible says, and he hath the key. He hath the key of David. What do he do? He opens and he shuts the key. You know, today, every door that needs to be opened, that God wants opened, he has the key to open it. 
and God has the key to shut it. I think of those prison doors. They did not need the key because they had the great key master, Jesus Christ, God Almighty, opened the door and Peter walked out. I think of the gate, the gates of uh, this church, this, this church at Philadelphia. God says, I, I, I still have a key. I can still use your church, though it's in a burnt area, though it's in an oppressed area. Uh, the gates of hell shall not prevail against thee. I think of the key in Revelation chapter 9 of the bottomless pit, and Jesus Christ will open with the Bible, say the key, that bottomless pit, and open up and allow Satan loose one more time in that very last day. God's treasure chest can be opened by him today because he has the key. How about your heart? Does he have the key to your heart? Somebody on this Valentine's Day probably has the key to your heart. Is it yourself? Is it God? Is it God's word? Our founder? Look what he says, not only their founder, but our faith. He saw their faith, their, their founder, and then their faith, verse eight. I know that works. Here's this open door again. Behold, I have set before thee an open door that no man can shut. There's several thoughts in this verse alone. As I see three thoughts about the founder in verse number seven, I see several thoughts here in verse number eight. There's the opportunity of service. Notice what he says there. Then he says, I know thy works. God says, I know your works. I, I know I've given you an opportunity to serve me. And because of that, I've set before you an open door. No man can shut it. We have such an open door in the Silicon Valley right now. I'm so grateful for the open door that God has given to us an open door to run our buses and reach boys and girls for Jesus Christ, mothers and dads for Christ, an open door to beam the gospel around the world by way of internet right now and preach the word. I thank God today for all that he's doing. An open door, an open door of service. There's something that you can do. Say, well, it's COVID. We can't do anything. Oh, tell that to the people in this church that delivered door to door 50,000 Bibles last year. And by and large, the people of Santa Clara came back and said, thank you. They know that COVID's not the answer and being locked down is not the answer and having no life is not the answer. But when you take them the word of God, we had more people text right Call, send money in, say, thank you for bringing us a Bible. There's an open door service. In your city that you're watching right now, dear pastor, dear people, do what the great people of the North Valley Baptist Church have done. We are looking for ways to serve God. God's going to place areas of opportunity ahead of you this week. Find it and seize it. But not only do I see a, an open door of service, I see an open door of strength. He said, I have an open door of service for thou hast a little strength. You know, you don't need a lot of strength. You just need to look for a little strength. He said, I can't do much. Then do what you can do. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a task, there's a job, there's a responsibility that God can give you and find it and do it. See, but I'm not talented. 
Well, you just need a little strength, but I don't have the ability. All you need is a little strength, but I'm not rich. All you need is a little bit of strength, but I, I don't know how to speak, but all you need is a little bit of strength. Take that which is small and give it to God. Well, my prayers are so weak. Well, let God turn them into powerful prayers. I find here that open door is a door of service. I find it's a door of strength. I found it's a door of sound doctrine. Look what he says in verse number nine. For thou hast a little strength, here it is, and hast not denied my word, and hast not denied my name. Thank God they've kept the word. Don't dilute the word. Don't, don't find yourself distorting the word. Don't corrupt the word. Take the word that God has given us. Let's defend it, not dilute it. What a joy they kept the word. Not only did I find their founder, I find their faith. Verse 9, I see their fight. You know, if you love something, you're going to have to fight for it. The devil wants to take my children, our children, and our grandchildren. I'm fighting for them. I'm fighting for them. I can't fight physically. But I could tell you I can do this and I do it. And I know my wife does it. We are fighting, praying for our children every single day. Do you know the devil would like to take the 24 people in my family? Our three kids there, three mates, our 14 grandkids, my wife and I, he'd like to take them and destroy their lives. He sees them all serving God. He sees their children today. All but the last two little young children have been born again and know the Lord Jesus Christ is a Savior. Do you know what? I'm going to fight for them. I'm going to do without some food once in a while on a regular basis each week and pray for our kids and pray for our grandkids. I'm going to do without some sleep and pray for them. I'm going to get up early and pray for them. I'm going to meet God in the morning when the day is at its best. I'm going to fight for those kids. You know what I want to do? I want to fight as I list all the widows and the widowers in our church in my prayer journal. I want to fight for them in prayer. A lot of them, the whole world's been turned upside down. I'm fighting for those people in our list that are all sick and shut in and cancer and MS and Parkinson's and all the disease that's running through the people of God. I pray for them. Why? I thank God for them. I'm going to fight for them. I'm going to fight for those 35 deacons on my knees and pray for their life and pray for their marriages and pray for their kids. I want to fight for them. I want to fight for the bus ministry. I want to fight for worldwide missions. I want to fight for the radio. I want to fight for the young couples. I want to fight for the senior saints. I want to fight for the teenagers, the college-age students, and the Bible says they had some fight in them. Why? Because Satan was there. Verse 9, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, but say they are Jews. They are not, but do lie. It's amazing as you look at these seven churches. You see in chapter 2, verse number 9, the last word, Satan was there. In chapter 2, the second church, verse 13, twice you find that verse, Satan came to, to sift and destroy that church. You find in chapter number 2 and verse number 24, the church at Thyatira, that Satan was seeking to destroy that church. I want to announce to you today that I know 
that Satan would love to destroy the North Valley Baptist Church. He has his weapons. Uh, this is a target for him today. I just want you to know that you can count on it that he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But these people, these people were not cowards. They were not quitters. They never gave up. Though they served in a burnt city and an area that had destruction, though they served and Satan tried to get in there, they had a fight within them. I'm out of time. I want you to see number four. They had a finish line. Verse 11, behold, I come quickly. Hold fast. That's the third time you find this in this text, in this chapter. Hold fast. Get a grip on this thing. Don't bail out. I've pastored a lot of people in my life who baptized almost now 19,000 people into the membership of this church. It's a lot of people. I've seen a lot of people come and go. I see some folks in the 45 years I've been here came in on fire for God, loved it. I've never heard music like that. I've never heard preaching like that. I've never been in a church like this. A church has a shout. A church has some life. And I've watched the same crowd six months later, nine months later, a year later, two years later, four years later, fall off the bandwagon. I've watched some folks stay 10 years and quit. I've watched some stay 20 years and quit. I've watched some folks stay 30 years and quit. And on and on it goes. Because... They dureth for a while, the Bible says, Matthew 13, but then they quit. I pray that as I one day get to the end of my journey, I pray that I'm still going to church because I love church. I want church. I want God. I want singing. I want choirs. I want preaching. I want offerings. I want part of it. I want the fellowship. I was telling the fellows today, right up between Sunday school and church, I said, I don't know if I did a very good job in my class today. I didn't feel like I quite had it today. But I said, i tell you one thing that I noticed. I noticed, and this is going to be a compliment. I noticed so many of the ladies talking. Talking. Unless you think I'm criticizing it, that warmed my heart. That thrilled my heart. They say, well, what about when you're teaching? Oh, they kept talking. You know how women are. It blessed me. It encouraged me. It did not defeat me. It encouraged me. Do you know that God has created us with a desire to fellowship with one another and to talk to one another and to see one another? And in the Bible, they embraced one another. They prayed one another. They fell on their knees. And if any of you ladies send me a note to say, I'm so sorry I was talking during preaching, I will publish your name in next week's bulletin if you say you're sorry. Don't tell me you're sorry. It thrilled my life that you're talking. Now, I'm going to have to take you out next week by the sycamore tree. Like my dad took me. Oh, no. That warmed me. That excited me, that thrilled me. That there was a desire. You haven't been together like we want to be together. We haven't had an opportunity to talk like we want to talk. We've had to have, we haven't had a hot dog fellowship in over a year. We need hot dog fellowships, they're great. We've not had a banquet. We've not had an after, after church fellowship time. We've not, a lot of these things that we want to have, we've not been able to have them because God's people desire the fellowship with one another.
Oh, may I say, this church here, continue. Let's finish it. I come quickly. Hold fast. Hang on. Don't quit. That which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Don't anybody steal that crown. There are five crowns to win in the Bible. You can win those crowns. There's that suffering crown. You can win that crown if you don't complain about the suffering. James chapter 1. There's the soul winner's crown. There's the shepherd's crown. You know, there's five crowns that you can win. We say, well, what are you going to do? Walk through heaven with all these crowns? No, the, the judgment seat of Christ for the Christian is when we reward it for those things that we did that for Christ at last and it gives us crown. What will we do? Revelation 4 will take those crowns and will cast them at his feet and say, thou art worthy to receive honor and glory and praise and thanksgiving. He is worthy of those crowns. I want to win some crowns for him. I want you to know today the finish line is coming. He said, him that overcometh, verse number 12, you keep overcoming. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go out no more. And I'll throw it upon him the name of my God. In the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh out of heaven, my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. Soon we're going to see the King of Kings. This church, they had great adversity. Financially, the area was now completely collapsed. But they never allowed that to waver. COVID is strangling this county like no other county in America. More rules, more regulations. They came out again this week and said you can go back in with 20%, but you can't sing. Now they said you can't go back in. They say, well, Supreme Court, that doesn't count for us here. We have a different case. All right, all right, go ahead. Make your little rules up as you go. But I tell you what, though we live in a burnt area, I really believe that there's still a church that wants church because we love our church. Parking lots are full, tents are full, people are coming. Thank God for all that. There's a finish line, so we're going to see him. Here's this church in this difficult situation, but they had their founder who was holy, who was true, had the key to open up and shut doors. They not only had a founder, but they had a faith. They looked for opportunities to serve. They looked for opportunities to see their strength and sound doctrine. Here's a place they had fight. Satan's seat was there. But they said, we're not going to quit. We're going to overcome. And they had a finish line. You know, I see these qualities in the great North Valley Baptist Church. London, all of Europe, was under attack in the 1800s theologically. Corruption had come into London. Spurgeon was preaching. People had come still hear the gospel. There was a pastor that was so worried and so concerned about his area in 1866, just a little less than one year after President Lincoln was assassinated in London, he began to preach very powerfully. He had been preaching, but he continued to preach. His name was, was uh, Samuel Stone. And Samuel began to preach about the church. Almost every message was about the church, the church, the church. 
We cannot corrupt the church. We cannot distort. Theologically, they began to, they, they began to change doctrines of the faith and he kept preaching against this word compromise. We cannot compromise. We must stand true. He built a beautiful place, a beautiful building, a beautiful edifice, and he built it in one of the poorest areas of London because he said, I want the poor people to have a place where they can come and worship God in a place that's beautiful for them. It's their building, and I want them to enjoy it. He kept preaching against compromise. He kept preaching against taking the word of God and changing it to meet our own criteria. As he preached, he'd go back and he'd write songs. He wrote this song and then gave it to Charles Wesley's grandson. Charles Wesley's grandson, Samuel Wesley, wrote the words. It's not most psalm books anymore. It's the psalm book as he tried to speak about Bible conviction and Bible faith, uh, doctrines of the faith. The church is one foundation, is Jesus Christ our Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her, and for her life, the church, he died. The church is one foundation. He wrote the stanza, Amen, and tribulation. And tumult of her way, she waits the consummation of peace forevermore. Till with the vision glorious, her long eyes will be blessed. And the great church victorious shall be the church at rest. He said, we have to keep fighting for the church. You can't corrupt the church. Ladies and gentlemen, I know in every church, I grew up with them. There are grump cases. I know there are critical people in the church. I know there are negative people in the church. One of the reasons why this has been such a great church, because it's like one foundation. It's like one people, one voice, one church. I'm not saying we're all perfect. I'm not saying we all like the same things. I'm not saying we enjoy doing the same things, but I'm saying that we're a good church. I love my church. I wanna thank God for all he's done. I think of that bus kid that came, Teresa Yeoman, it's your brother. You weren't even born, but then shortly thereafter, you began to ride our bus, and now I think you have five children, if I'm not mistaken. And Brother Jason rode that bus. And I wish I could tell the whole story of his background of his home, never knew his dad. I wish you knew the whole story. I don't know how appropriate I'd be to tell it today but it was not a very good situation. Someone came by and knocked on the door and said, will you ride our bus? And it came on this Sunday 35 years ago. And then I remember the Sunday night where he needed a place to live after church. He came as a bus kid. Some members of our church gave him a place to live. And I can recall the deacon saying, son, you're in our Christian school and we're going to pay as deacons your way through the Christian school. And they did. Then he came to college and began to work a job and he paid his own way. Then he found a little, a little beautiful girl called Amber. And they fell in love and they got married. And then they went to Illinois and pastored a church. And now his second church for years, he's been there in Illinois. He's raised five kids. 
Thank God for whoever the bus worker was that picked him up on the bus 35 years ago today. And thank God that in a sub-below zero weather today in Illinois, he's preaching the word of God. Thank God for the church. I love it. What happened when your dad took you out to spank you? Did it warp your mind toward the church? Do you hate the church? No, no. My dad wasn't trying to embarrass me. My dad was trying to teach me that church is important, son. Church is sacred. If you know not Jesus Christ as Savior, on this, I love my church. Would you come to know him today? In a moment, we'll stand in the tents. When we do, the piano's to play. When he does, the pastors will be here. If you're a lady and want to know how to go to heaven one day, come forward and let a lady show you from the word of God a matter of moments. If you're a man, a man will show you. Today, some of you young men get anchored in the church. Some of you young teenagers, young college students, some of you old, dear elderly people get anchored. I hope I'm in church when I die. I hope I'm in the house of God. I hope I don't walk away from God in my last years of my life. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.